welcome to the 30th episode of Theater Reviews from My Seat. First of all, I want to thank all of my listeners, especially those outside of New York City and in countries other than the United States. In particular, I'd like to thank my loyal listeners from Germany, who are my largest non-American audience. In these days of isolation and social distancing, it's heartwarming to know that something I can view at home can be shared virtually everywhere with you. We can try out some of these streaming experiments, mostly for free, and also catch some classic performances which were taped. If this is your first time listening, the mission of my blog and this podcast is to share my passion for live theater, review productions without plot spoilers, and hopefully inspire you to go see a new play, musical, or theater company. This monthly podcast is available for free subscription on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google. Simply search for Theater Reviews from My Seat, which is all one word. As I said before, in this episode, I am going to share my observations for shows I attended virtually, both live-streamed and recorded, during the month of April 2020. I call my series Seclusion Smorgasbord. This episode features more than two dozen different events, including plays, musicals, readings, variety shows, puppetry, dance, and children's theater. My commentary is generally shorter and less like a critical review. I'm sharing my experiences. If any catch your ear, please give them a try. All the links are on my website blog posts. Direct links to this podcast are located on the About This Reviewer page, so you can easily find links to your favorite provider. Now let's take our seats together as I tell you about this month's shows. First up, the musical Bright Lights, Big City, presented by 54 Below at Home. Theater District Nightclub 54 Below has programmed an at-home series for our entertainment during this pandemic. Most events are cabarets showcasing great talents. Others, like Bright Lights Big City, revisit shows with appealing casts. This particular musical opened off-Broadway in 1999 to mix to negative reviews. This 20th anniversary concert staging confirms those earlier impressions. I imagine there was a great deal of anticipation for this show back then. The source material was Jay McInerney's 1984 colossal hit novel of the same name. New York Theatre Workshop produced the enormously successful Rent a few years earlier. Most of the same creative team was on board for this show. Paul Scott Goodman wrote the book, Music, and Lyrics. The feel is rock and pop with some bad lyrics. Very bad. What is nice about this rendition is the cast's vocals are strong, so the songs get a chance to shine. This is a concert version, so much of the book is skipped. The story is essentially about a young man who wants to be a writer and is currently working as a fact-checker at a magazine. He discovers the Reagan-era party world of drugs, sex, and other excesses in New York City. Things go downhill, but redemption comes when he sees a new reality. The opening number is Bright Lights, Big City. 
The tone is set quickly and awkwardly. Quote, you got any blow? Answer, is Stevie Wonder blind? The writer loved this type of quip. A later song contains, do you have a smoke? The answer, can Bob Hope tell a joke? Followed by, Bob who? A character in the opening number is named Drug Girl. She loves, quote, the lyric, drugs and everything they do. The second song is Back in the City. Both opening tunes have two reprises, as does the best song in the show, Brother. The lead character, Jamie, has a brother named Michael, who was struggling and being ignored after caring for the death of their mother. Both Matt Doyle and Danny Harris Kornfeld effectively carried that emotional story arc. In the song Sunday Morning 6am, a dead girl last seen in Washington Square Park sings as the late night partying comes to an end. Another character named Coma Baby has a song I never need to hear again. Jamie's wife leaves him and goes to Paris, leading to the song I Hate the French. The rhyme will be stench. He'd rather T and Judy Dench. Not kidding. Here's another doozy. It isn't that compelling checking other people's spelling. Coma Baby later returns with a song called Missing. The worst rhyme of all is in the reasonably decent song Kindness. Jamie's new girlfriend, Vicky, played by Christy Altamare, rhymes like with psych, as in human psyche, but pronounces it without the second syllable. I'm currently reading Stephen Sondheim's Finishing the Hat, in which he dissects his own and others' lyrics. I've learned so much about rhyming conventions that perhaps I am more attuned now. To be fair, however, those watching with me did not hear anything that they enjoyed. Without the book, it was hard to make sense of some of the hallucination scenes, like Camera Wall, where Dead Girl comes back for a group number. This musical is very period-specific. I did laugh, both with and at, the line, Monstrous events are scheduled for tonight with Euro trash so nice and soft. That felt true to the dialogue of that era. Bright Light's big city never went anywhere and is obvious why. I enjoyed this short one-hour and 15-minute visit, and the performers, who were quite good. The press releases and theater company emails, Facebook ads and Twitter posts have led to a wide array of streaming theatrical events available to me. Some are live and some are taped, some are new and some are older. On Saturday, April 4th, I decided to take in three wildly different performances. I blogged about them for posterity and more importantly, to keep my sanity in check as I'm secluded here in the epicenter of the outbreak in New York City. I bundled the three together into my first blog entry in the series I named Seclusion Smorgasbord. Bertain Ashford at 54 Below at Home. Ms. Ashford has a haunting voice, which I first heard when she appeared in the excellent musical Natasha Pierre and the Great Common of 1812. This nightclub aired her 2017 solo debut, which featured some original music and favorite covers. She played an array of instruments along with an onstage band. 
Her voice is unusual and really captivating. The show was relaxed and tuneful, perfect for adding calmness in these nervous days. Future 54 Below at Home events can be found on their website at 54below.com or on their YouTube channel. The next entry was titled 50 in 50 Letters to Our Sons. Based in the Bedford-Stuyvesant neighborhood of Brooklyn, the Billy Holiday Theater hosted a live Facebook presentation. Ten actresses from around the country read stories by 50 black women writers from across the world. The curatorial connectivity was to consider both the world they inherited and the one they'd like to create. Directed by Indira Etwaru, the show was rich with stirring, vivid, and emotional prose. Here are a few gems I managed to jot down. God is nestled in the rhythm of your heartbeats. He loved me like I was drowning. Someone was dressed in the color bittersweet. Anger surfaced in various moments to effectively communicate a conviction or an injustice. When asking a great leader why they hurt people, they answer, because I can. The show segued from performer to performer quickly. As a result, there was a satisfying variety of voices and writing styles to absorb. The speed of the transitions encouraged emotions to build and register strongly. Occasional musical interludes from Mara Tree Garrett on the piano added beauty and a chance for reflective pauses. All of the performers were compelling. Kendra Holloway and Phyllis Yvonne Stickney were especially memorable for me. As a Facebook Live presentation, the audience was able to add comments throughout. Phyllis has more voices than a cat has lives. The group participation and reviews from all of our seats infused the entire piece with a tremendous sense of communal bonding. This is food for weary and worn souls, someone wrote. One of my favorite expressions of joy was this. So soulful and so soul-filled, our ancestry thanks you. 50 and 50 is available to view on the Facebook page of the Billy Holiday Theater. Next up, Work the World live stream. For my final show that Saturday, April 4th, I jarringly transitioned from 50 and 50 to a benefit event for out-of-work performers in the entertainment industry. Nine drag show queens from RuPaul's Drag Race performed mostly new recorded videos while practicing social distancing in the process. The evening was hosted by Bianca Del Rio from Los Angeles and Lady Bunny from New York, who noted that social distancing is easy when everyone hates you. Most of the queens had messages to deliver along with their performances, notably about staying home. The first two segments featuring Gigi Good and Asia O'Hara were my favorites. I was also impressed by Aquaria's entirely self-made music video from Seclusion. The hosts devolved into bawdy and raunchy humor, which often works with a live drunken audience. Here, with time delays between the two coasts, the jokes felt forced and mostly landed with a thud. 
Work the World livestream was available for a fee, portions of the proceeds, and all of the tips went to the performers who signed up on their website to receive financial support during this difficult period. I'll continue to chronicle my events viewed, both taped and live streamed theatrical presentations from the seat of my couch. Next, from Berkeley Rep in California, Culture Clash Still in America. This troupe has been performing for decades. In 2002, they had a program called Culture Clash in America based on interviews they conducted. Culture Clash Still in America is an update with some added scenes reflective of current events. The tone is incisive satire through broadly comedic skits as filtered through a Latino lens. Richard Montoya, Ricardo Salinas, and Herbert Sequenza are all accomplished actors. Here, they showcase a wide range of skillful characterizations. The show opens at an ICE detention facility where a man is being detained. We learn that he has been separated from his daughter. The initial tone is heavy, but quickly turns to a documentary style with laughs between the two agents and the prisoner. The people we then meet include a Miami couple in the demolition business who are being interviewed on camera. They are hilarious as they overtalk each other while bearing their societal prejudices and penchant for greed. Hurricanes are good times for the demolition business. The parade of stereotypes include a black pastor who wonders, how did Jesus go from looking like Osama bin Laden to Brad Pitt? He concludes that White Jesus was a lie, the original fake news. Junior is a New Yorican who demonstrates through dance how to tell various shades of brown-skinned people apart. There's also a Cuban transvestite, two men, one who's African, one who's Filipino, swearing in to become citizens, and also a couple of ex-hippie pot-smoking lesbian ladies from Fresno, California. The jokes in that section are plentiful giving granddaughter a woke Barbie, romancing youthful revolution. I stood for Che Guevara and Che Panisse. One of the ladies says to the other, Careful, honey, you're appropriating. It is certainly possible that people may view sections of this satire in that vein. What binds this particular piece together, however, is the follow-up story to the original ICE detention center. A lawyer who works on family separations is interviewed. The story links back to the opening scene. He asks the unanswerable about a country that separates children and cages them as punitive measures. The dagger is then thrust. Can that country still be called America? Performances of Culture Clash Still in America were interrupted by this pandemic which is why the Berkeley Repertory Theater Company's production was made available to subscribers. This highly entertaining piece was sharply directed by Lisa Peterson with a skillful set design by Christopher Acevo. Next up, Bindlestiff Open Stage Variety Show, Quarantine Edition. 
My first visit to this monthly inclusive hodgepodge of circus acts and bizarre curiosities was back in December 2018. Given our stay-at-home situation, these performers have taken to the internet to share their talents remotely. Keith Nelson is once again the host who performs some of his classics between acts, including The Spinning Top and Sword Swallowing. The broadcast is also a fundraiser for these artists during this difficult period. The acts are often experimental, in development, or simply just odd. Others are impressively professional and, like the best circus acts, fill the viewer with wonderment. Michael Rossman welcomes us to his driveway in the deep woods of Maryland. He created a new quarantined tightrope act, which he said has been planned but not well thought out. He literally and figuratively performs a tightrope walking routine above two tigers and a flaming pit of fire. Nelson Lugo impressed with an entertaining version of the shell game. Butch and Buttercup performed their amusing lift and balance gymnastics from an empty Brooklyn warehouse. The heavy metal musician character embodied by Brian Bielmeyer rocked the silver rings. He dedicated the show to his six ex-wives. There are other fine acts within this nearly two-hour live stream. Naturally, there are some technical mishaps and juggling calamities along the way. The first act presented was Magic Mike. Think a very, very, very aged version of the Channing Tatum movie persona who presents ridiculous comedic mishaps from his home with no pants on. Zero Boy is somewhat of a sound effects master. This act was all over the place. When he started singing Peggy Leaves Fever, a line followed, You gave me COVID. One of our housebound family members announced, I'm out. This quarantainment is definitely and intentionally a mixed bag, but can be amusingly diverting during happy hour. They air this series weekly on Mondays to enable these performers to continue creating their art and hopefully collect a few donations as well. Bindlestip Open Stage Variety Show Quarantine Edition is available on the Bindlestip Family Circus Facebook homepage and their YouTube channel. When I wrote my third entry into the Seclusion Smorgasbord series on my blog, here's what I started with. Greetings from my Manhattan apartment. I am writing this blog entry on April 15th, 2020. The last time I went outside was March 15th. As someone who averages 15 to 20 theater shows per month, the change has been enormous. Then I tried to be hopeful. With the free streaming opportunities and relatively low cost or donation models, now is the time to try something out of the box. And for people who have positive thinkers, this really is a chance to try or other types of shows you might not normally try but can do so for very little investment. My next entry, from playing on air, the play titled The Clam. Recorded live, this short play runs 25 minutes, including Q&A at the end. The Clam was written by Amanda Quaid 
and stars Tony Shalhoub as the mollusk and Christine Nielsen as his therapist. This comedy was directed by Moritz von Stucknagel. The play contains silly and funny jokes. The clam says, I'm nervous. I feel moist. A little... The therapist deadpans. Clammy? The clam quickly tries to shut the therapist down. I don't like cracks about coming out of my shell. The therapy session addresses feeling stuck, being lonely and alone. The tone is light, but provides some depth when discussing the five paths to happiness. My favorite line was when the clam stated that he was spinning in an eddy of my own anxiety. I also loved, however, this insight. Barnacles are not the most erudite conversationalists. The clam is a happy diversion. The second short play I listened to was Night Vision by Dominique Morso. April Mathis and Edith Mary Show portray a couple who have just returned to their apartment in Bedsty, Brooklyn. She is pregnant and feeling hurt, angry, and disgusted. They witness someone in a hoodie punching a woman. Now safely home, she wants to call the police. What exactly did the couple see? Did they see the event similarly? In 10 minutes, this play challenges the listener to self-reflect. Do we internalize our biases? How do they inform our actions? I highly recommend listening to the Q&A afterward, which provides thoughtful, judgment-free analysis. Both The Clam and Night Vision could be listened to on www.playingonair.org. Next up is my second visit to CyberTank. Every Tuesday, The Tank presents an online arts variety show which remains viewable on their website. The second episode was promisingly titled, How Can We Be Silly? While this 50-minute presentation started and ended strongly, much of the time ranged between honorable attempts and strikeouts. If you've been to the tank, you will definitely remember the operations manager, Colin Knopschwin. He introduces many of the thousand shows this company produces each year. His segment was a welcome to CyberTank, like he normally does in the live theater welcoming us to the stage. In this case, however, he programmed his character onto a video background of the currently popular video game cartoon Animal Crossing. The opening was cute and inviting. The message was even more so. Quote, if you've never made art before, there is no better time than now. Mark Nunez is a resident dance curator who hosts a Sunday sip and sweat on Instagram. People post their quarantine dances. He shared excerpts of his high energy and super fun communal bonding. Host Michaela Escarcega created a video starring herself called Cabin Fever. How does an artist entertain herself and others from her seclusion? Her creations are quirky and absolutely delightful. Julian Shapiro Brown introduced a new talk show, The Social Distance. This inaugural outing was hit and miss, but the good parts were promising. The CDC calls COVID-19 a pandemic. The host cleverly notes that this description 
is theoretically more inclusive than calling it bidemic. His oddball sidekicks are amusing as well. If you'd like to try Cybertank, I'd recommend starting with the first episode. That one, although more melancholy in tone, was a richer and more consistently elevated program. Cybertank can be found on the Cybertank's homepage, thetanknyc.org. These next three entries in my home viewing series could not be more different despite the fact that each contained puppetry. These three bundled a drag act, children's theater, and an extraordinary production I originally saw in 2015. First, Arius with a Twist, a taped performance from Here Arts Center. Drag artist Joey Arias and puppeteer Basil Twist created Arias with a Twist in 2006. Arias was already a Vegas headliner, having starred in Cirque du Soleil's Zumanity. I caught a deluxe version of this show, which was remounted at Abrams Art Center in 2011. The bigger show had a bigger stage, and from memory, was a tighter, more focused entertainment. The original version of Arius with a Twist takes a very, very long time to get moving, and pun intended, drags on. You can see more than 20% of the audience dropping off with a declining eyeball count. Still, this spacey acid trip does have its pleasures, including the improbable singing of Led Zeppelin's Cashmere during an alien abduction scene. The New York City skyline invasion near the end of the show is a high point, literally. For extremely patient fans of stylized drag only. The puppets are terrific, notably the band. Here Art Center is streaming works from its archives, including Wednesday evening watch parties of full-length productions. www.here.org or their Facebook page, Here Art Center. Next, we have The Missing Matza from La Mama Kids Online. Wonderspark Puppets performed this week's entry of La Mama Kids Online programming. In The Missing Matza, children were called upon to assist Detective Mystery Max find out what happened. Crying Nancy is upset because her Passover Seder matza is gone. A series of characters appear, including the brilliantly named Ginger, Red Herring, and Dr. Lazarus, a maths scientist. The puppets were cute, and the show began strongly. In the age of coronavirus, the sneezing slapstick was especially funny. There was a section about eat cake, which went on too long, and my interest did wane. Admittedly, I did not watch with any children present. This company is performing a new puppet show every Friday on their Facebook page. The performance quality of the hand puppets and vocals make this a troupe worth checking out. For this production, La Mama Kids had an activity guide to use before and after the show, which is available online. Frequent online programming is available from La Mama. You can visit www.lamama.org and go to their live streams page. And for Wonderspark Puppets, you can go to the Wonderspark Puppets Facebook page. Now I'd like to tell you about Ada, 
slash AVA. The tank co-produced Ada AVA in 2015 with 3LD Art and Technology Center. After seeing that production, I began following Manual Cinema, the performance collective which combines handmade shadow puppetry and cinematic techniques with innovative sound and music. They create films live in front of an audience using vintage overhead projectors, multiple screens, actors, musicians, and much more. Watching the behind-the-scenes activity is as interesting as the cinema unfolding on the screen. This story is about two elderly sisters who live in their childhood home and tend the nearby lighthouse. The atmosphere is moody. Shadow and lighting effects bring the story to life. The video does an excellent job of focusing on the completed work while also showing a glimpse of the artists at work. This art is completely unique, which is why this company travels the world with its repertoire. I'll not say more than to treat yourself to this creatively stimulating, breathtakingly original, and wholly satisfying entertainment. Oh, and the cinematic storytelling is simply astounding. Ada Ava's taping from the performance at the Tank was only available through April 19th. However, if you go to Manual Cinema's homepage, you may be able to find another streaming performance. I can also recommend highly the show they did uh, at Joe Papp's Public Theater, a retelling of Frankenstein. Earlier this month, I saw two excellent productions from the National Theater of London. The first was the 1998 revival of Oklahoma, starring a superb Hugh Jackman. A lot of noise was made about the recent Broadway revival as being so modern and dark. This one, however, was much darker and told a story which made sense and had choreography that was rousing. Even the ladies put up their dukes in this one. The other big hit I managed to catch was James Corden's turn in One Man, Two Governors. I saw his Tony-winning performance in New York City, which made him a star. There are many opportunities streaming online for big companies such as these. Small troops are also summoning their creative spirits for our enjoyment and financial support. I never had the opportunity to visit Shakespeare's Globe while visiting London, so I caught a performance of Hamlet. Shakespeare's Globe is located on the River Thames in London. The theater is a recreation of one which would have housed Shakespeare's plays back in the day. The theater itself is stunning, and it is quite amusing consider those patrons on the floor standing through the performance. Or better still, those lucky enough to be up front and leaning their arms on the stage. I have never seen before a professional production of Hamlet. This version was entertaining and fast-paced. The sheer number of famous quotes from this play is staggering to hear all in one setting. There was some gender bending in the casting. It seemed as if the younger generation switched roles and the older generation was more traditional. Michelle Terry, known for her extensive work at the Globe, was a lively Hamlet. She displayed riches of intellect underneath the lunacy and never succumbed to an excess of brooding. 
I thoroughly enjoyed Katrin Aaron as Hamlet's loyal friend Horatio. The bond was evident. Finally, in a smaller set of roles, Jack Lasky stood out for his Francisco, Fortinbras, and especially his monologue as one of the players. This version was entertaining and staged lightly with little set. The words were the star. The play's the thing, after all. Shakespeare's Globe is streaming various productions on a weekly basis at its website, www.shakespeareglobe.com. The next thing I saw was by the Martha Graham Dance Company and their famous piece, Appalachian Spring. In this episode of Martha Matinee, the company uncovered a 1947 filmed version of the original cast. Ms. Graham choreographed the piece, which also starred Merce Cunningham. The score was beautifully overlaid on top of this silent taping. Notice the clapping and how accurate it was. Aaron Copland's famous composition for this dance won him the Pulitzer Prize. There were all sorts of technical difficulties getting this up and live. The fans who patiently waited were actively engaged in dialogue. Many who seemed to be dancers themselves from previous companies gathered in celebration. This video is a worthwhile 30-minute historical journey. American pioneers from the early 19th century gather for a spring celebration of their new Pennsylvania farmhouse. This dance can be seen as a juxtaposition between this happy forward-looking vision and a wedding union with the promise of a better American future at the end of World War II. You can find this dance on the Martha Graham YouTube channel. Next up, a vintage play entitled Overtones. Metropolitan Playhouse mines American theatrical heritage to showcase plays drawn from our culture and history. Overtones is a fascinating one-act play written by Alice Gerstenberg from 1913. In this play, jealous rivals Harriet and Margaret are meeting for tea. Their alter egos, Hetty and Maggie, chastise and criticize them. Harriet married wealthy, and Margaret got the painter who Harriet was smitten with all those years ago. This play is an early example of expressionism. The portrayal of women's behaviors towards each other is blunt and quite harsh. Directed by Alex Rowe, the company performed this short play on Zoom and held a Q&A session afterward. This interesting artifact was the third of Ms. Gerstenberg's plays performed this past month. The Metropolitan Playhouse streams performances only live on Saturday nights. For the next production, visit their website, www.metropolitanplayhouse.org. Now I'd like to take you back to the National Theatre of London and a production of Treasure Island. Briani Lavery adapted Robert Louis Stevenson's classic Treasure Island for this handsome production. In this version, Jim Hawkins is a young girl. This coming-of-age story is enhanced with an additional feminist angle and includes other female characters. The storytelling sticks closely to the novel, but does veer off notably towards the end. Dramatic flourishes usurped clarity to a small degree. Designer Lizzie Clacken 
has created a masterful set which transforms from inn to sailing ship to island in a series of jaw-dropping transitions. Below deck on the ship is superbly rendered. Polly Finley's direction is appropriate for a children's tale, but importantly, does not shy away from the darker elements of the story at all. The lighting is extraordinary. Ms. Farron was an appealing and clever Jim. You root for her as she figuratively grows up in front of our eyes. Excellent characterizations from Aidan Kelly as Bill Bones and Arthur Darville as Long John Silver give the tale its required treachery. In the scene-stealing role of Ben Gunn, Joshua James was funny, manic, and heroic, providing a needed jolt of energy in the second act. Every week, the National Theatre of London streams one of the shows from its repertoire that were filmed. Next up, Buyer and Seller, which took place in Michael Urie's living room. Mr. Urie performed an encore version of Jonathan Tolland's Buyer and Seller in this live-streamed event. His award-winning turn as Alex was recreated as a benefit performance for the Broadway Cares COVID-19 Emergency Assistance Fund. I saw this play in 2013, and using his living room seemed a logical choice given the original set design. Alex loses his low-paying job at Disneyland after an ill-advised confrontation with a child. He gets a call and lands a job as the manager of Barbara Streisand's basement. The comedy, the abuse, and the shade are all in abundance. There is also a deeper undertone which delves into fame, friendship, and loneliness. The acting is stellar and not to be missed. Highest of the high points, the coupon. The direction, use of space, and multi-camera angles kept the excitement and energy at a very high level. File this one under coronavirus classic. Byron Seller was indeed broadcast live, but is still available for viewing and donations. Search for Byron Seller using ampersand for and, and C-E-L-L-A-R for seller, on YouTube. Next, Café La Mama Live, take three. On Tuesday evenings, La Mama broadcasts weekly live performances that experiment with form. Guest curators invite artists to share their work. This episode had five entries. Not all, I would say, were successful or even understandable. The host noted after one bizarre and way too insider segment, Girl, what the hell was that? Three entertainers shined, however. Jasmine Yvonne sang her new single, which is about to be released. Ain't That Cheap is about a relationship gone sour. After each performance, the host does a brief interview. Miss Yvonne made me smile when she said, I put on a sweater today. I feel immensely accomplished. Leah Ogawa, a puppetry and movement artist, created a world made out of decorated cardboard. A camera traversed multiple constructed locations on this adventure, including a trip to Tokyo Town. In Gray City, she proclaimed that there are, quote, so many people and so many windows working so hard. This was an inspired example of budget-minded stay-at-home creativity. 
Zubi Gomez created video art using stop-motion animation. Nikolai Mishler composed a score to accompany her dance. The phrase, I love these shoes, concluded the fun piece with a great ending. Café La Mama is an opportunity for artists to stretch themselves and experiment with ideas. The Let's Put on a Show vibe will appeal to those who are willing to encourage and support risk-taking. Grab a glass of wine and take a peek. You might find something amusing to break up the monotony. La Mama is offering many different streaming experiences, which can be seen on their website, including Café La Mama Live on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. New York City time. Go to www.lamama.org. The seventh entry into my Seclusion Smorgasbord series features dance and a funeral. While a death entertainment may sound like a bad idea during a pandemic, this one is a comedy of sorts. If you might want to stage your own memorial service, this also may provide some inspiration. But first, we'll go to Here Art Center and the production of Wooden. This Laura Peterson dance was filmed on November 12, 2011. In Wooden, nature and possibly evolution is invoked. The first part is ground, which is followed by trees. Sometimes when I watch dance, the movement and storytelling becomes impenetrable. Both of these pieces contain memorable visuals and striking movements. Bodies on the ground barely moving. Lights go off. The bodies are in another location when the lights go back on. I felt as if I were watching the rise of animate forms from Earth's history. Trees began more straightforwardly. The dancers were symbolic. Their limbs were branches, erratically changing positions. The lighting design and shadow work was exceptionally additive to the environment. Dissonant sounds like computerized rhythmic noises accompanied this dance. Near the end of this one, there was some very energetic, unison choreography. The meaning escaped me, but it was likely challenging to dance. Both pieces were a bit repetitive for my tastes, and I found myself losing interest. Here Art Center Facebook watch parties are on Wednesday nights. The next dance I want to tell you about is Allegro Brillante from the New York City Ballet. In replacement of its spring season, the New York City Ballet is streaming some of its classic performances over the next six weeks. Tuesdays will feature ballets from its founders, George Balanchine and Jerome Robbins. On Fridays, they will showcase contemporary works. Each video will run for 72 hours on their homepage, Facebook, or YouTube. Allegro Brillante premiered on March 1, 1956, and this specific performance was taped on January 18, 2017. Of this ballet, Mr. Balanchine said this particular piece showed everything I know about classical ballet in 13 minutes. This is crowd-pleasing ballet with choreography that beautifully embraces the music of Tchaikovsky's Piano Concerto No. 3. Lead dancers Tyler Peck and Andrew Vayette, along with four couples, swell with the flourishes, flow with the softer sections, and leap when the music demands. This short, highly entertaining work is definitely something to try if you want to experience a taste of classical ballet.
From Joyous Dance to a Funeral Service, playing on air's production of the play Wild and Precious Life. Sheila, portrayed by Deborah Monk, has passed away. Apparently, she was a wild spirit filled with life. This 15-minute play begins at her memorial service. A close friend is reading the recently departed's favorite poem, which has to do with the title of this comedy. First, however, there are some tears. The Reverend Sandy takes over and reads an unopened letter from Sheila to her friends. She has an instruction from the great beyond, which results in mourners getting into a fight filled with ridiculous revelations. There is another message from the beyond and a very thought-provoking monologue at the end. How should one lead their life while they have a chance? A character considers their admiration for the magical Sheila and what she represents. The six-member cast was directed by Michelle O'Brien and features original music from San Francisco's Meisner and Smith. This taping is a quick and breezy entertainment with an agreeable dosage of heft at its conclusion. A 10-minute Q&A follows the performance. Wild and Precious Life can be found on Playing on Air's website. Past shows are also available on iTunes. These are particularly nice to try, especially if you only have 20 minutes or so and would like to uh, take your mind off everything that's going on and just escape into a world and listen to it. Having taken in a few of these plays from Playing On Air, I recommend giving it a try, especially if you have a short amount of time. These are only about 15 or 20 minutes long on average, and it's a variety of topics and styles, thought-provoking, funny. Give it a try. You may find uh, this company has something to offer to you in their short play format listening service. From my blog post on April 30th, Excited to hear last night from a cast member that a South Korean production of Phantom of the Opera was open for business this week. In the meantime, our far less disciplined society argues and fumbles through this pandemic. To take my mind off that, here are three more entries into my series of seclusion smorgasbord streaming theater viewing. Old Love Letters at the Metropolitan Playhouse on Saturday evenings, Off-Off-Broadway's Metropolitan Playhouse streams online readings live. Old Love Letters is a short one-act comedy by Bronson Howard from 1878. In this cute relic, the charm of youthful courtship amidst the strain of Victorian societal mores is considered with the passage of time. Miss Florence Brownlee is rereading old love letters, like faded rose leaves in a book before casually tossing them into a fire. She has been recently widowed at age 32. A former suitor, Edward Warburton's wife, died four years ago, and he is now 40 years old. Even the warm skies of southern Italy failed to restore her. He is reading old love letters from Florence, which were never destroyed despite his marriage to another. It isn't wicked for me to keep them now. Edward apparently tied the letters together and planned to return them after they had quarreled. He tells her, A hot-headed young girl who imagines herself in love is a formidable creature. 
She was 19 at the time they parted ways. The play is structured to allow both to consider life's choices from the perspective of wisdom and time. The actors' performances and backgrounds selected were fun and nicely evoked the era. The timing for the vocal and the video streaming was off slightly, however. But when I stopped looking and just listened, I felt back on solid ground. The Metropolitan Playhouse hosts plays, short one acts, sometimes even double features, on Saturday nights at 8 p.m. New York time. You can visit their website at www.metropolitanplayhouse.com for more information. Next, a big event. Take Me to the World, a Sondheim 90th birthday celebration. This live concert was scheduled as a birthday tribute and a fundraiser for ASTEP, artists trying to end poverty. Those who endured the hilarious What Could Go Wrong and Did Horrors as the live stream failed magnificently were then treated to a broadly diverse selection of Mr. Sondheim's tunes. These performances were all taped, and the quality of the sound and video was very high. My favorites in order of appearance. Neil Patrick Harris, with kids, singing the witch's rap from Into the Woods. Judy Kuhn's Knock Me Off My Chair rendition of What Can You Lose from the Dick Tracy movie. Katrina Lank's mesmerizing and plaintive vocalization of Joanna from Sweeney Todd, accompanying herself on guitar. Melissa Errico's breathtaking Children in Art from Sunday in the Park with George. Elizabeth Stanley's superlative version of The Miller's Son from A Little Night Music. Michael Cerverus lamenting at his window with a pensive finishing the hat. The memorable four-person interplay of the great Someone in a Tree from Pacific Overtures. Duos and group numbers were amazingly effective, notably from Meryl Streep, Audra McDonnell, and Christine Baranski. All three in white robes drinking heavily to an inspired The Ladies Who Lunch from Company. And finally, Annalee Ashford and Jake Gyllenhaal's Move On duet. I saw them perform George and Dot at City Center and on Broadway. This version was as moving, and Mrs. Ashford supplied the most gorgeous-sounding vocal of the evening. Of course... The musically political star of the internet and this pandemic, Randy Rainbow, made us laugh as Mrs. Lovett from Sweeney Todd singing By the Sea. This concert ended with many performers busting in to sing segments of the showstopper I'm Still Here from Company. I find this hard to believe, but it's true. Ian Armitage from television's Young Sheldon won that battle, and his clip earlier in the show was utterly charming. That's a lot of high points. The rest of the show was also very good. A heartwarming celebration of this great composer and the theater community which adores him and his work. Donations can be made to A-Step through their Facebook page. The concert is still streaming on YouTube. Finally, and on a more serious note, Chimpanzee from Here Arts Center. A taped performance of Nick Lehane's intensely emotional and wordless puppet play, Chimpanzee, was streamed by Hear Art Center as part of its Wednesday evening Here at Home series. Mr. Lehane also designed the incredible puppet and directed the piece. 
This play seems to have been written after a very sad trip to the zoo. The empathy generated is staggering. A chimpanzee is trapped in a cage and pacing. Could it be a science lab? Through a series of time-altering vignettes, glimpses of her life are shared. Memories of living with a family quickly fade to the horrors and boredom of captivity. The three puppeteers manage to develop so much personality through movement. The lighting is exceptional. A heartbreaking and creatively staged piece of theater, Chimpanzee is astonishing to behold. I was reminded of a great book I read on this subject, The Chimps of Fauna Sanctuary, about a home for them after science no longer needs their bodies. The highly recommended play Chimpanzee is available for viewing as a video on the Facebook page of HERE, H-E-R-E, Arts Center. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Theater Reviews from My Seat. If you watched and particularly loved a show featured in my Seclusion Smorgasbord series, please consider a donation if you are able. These are very tough times financially for our artists and nonprofit theater companies. If you have any comments or suggestions, I'd love to hear them. Also, if you have any recommendations for me, I'm looking to continue sharing theater available at home to as many interested people as possible. Please send an email to theater reviews from my seat at comcast.net. You can also sign up for an email subscription to receive all reviews as they are published at www.theaterreviewsfrommyseat.com. Have a great day, and thanks again for listening and supporting the theater community through this pandemic.